Before I get into the show, I'd like to thank our sponsor, NPR. NPR is not your typical media partner. From NPR News Now and Smart Speakers to How I Built This Live on Stage, NPR is where audiences turn for non-commercial, unbiased journalism. Stay tuned to find out how NPR sponsorship drives impact for brands. Hello and welcome to Digiday Live, our podcast where we bring you the best sessions from our many summits around the world. I'm Aditi Sango. The jury is still out on Snapchat as it requires a unique approach to content that has not yet established itself as reliable revenue stream. Enter Pink News that launched Snapchat in July. At the publishing summit in Europe, CEO Benjamin Cohen shared the rationale behind taking Pink News to Snapchat what they have learned, how clients have reacted, and give some honest feedback on how much of a revenue opportunity this really is. This is a bit of a quick talk to, to explain how we reimagined Pink News for Generation Z. Out of interest, is anyone here from Generation Z? So that, to be in Generation Z, you have to be under 24. Okay. So this is not for your generation, uh, but it's for the younger generation who are using Snap. Out of interest, how many people here are on Snapchat? A few. Okay. So look, a, a little bit about our history. Pink News has been around since 2005, covering all areas of interest to the LGBT community. Um, we prided ourselves in our political coverage um, and built up a growing events business, actually. Uh, this is a picture of the Prime Minister. Well, She's still currently the Prime Minister. I know she's making a statement in a few minutes, hopefully not resigning, because uh, it ruins this slide. Um, uh, we built a growing events business. Actually, I'm flying straight back to London in the morning because we've got the Pink News Awards on Wednesday. Uh, we'll have some very exciting speakers at that. And over this weekend, we had our first Generation Z event, uh, which is called LGBT Leaders, our graduate recruitment event. Um, but now we've ended up building a much larger audience than our web business on Snapchat. And I'm going to try and explain to you why and how. So firstly, why Snapchat? The numbers kind of speak for themselves. This is, this is our audience after our first two months on Snap. 70% of our audience is under 24. Um, you know, there are still people who are over 25 using it. Actually, Snap's numbers kind of, they, they include 25 to 35, and then when you're in 35, you're then 35 plus, which so I found myself now in the same age group as 100-year-olds, but that's what happens when you're on Snapchat, unfortunately. Um, I wanted to explain this. Presumably, not many of you know about the Kinsey scale. But this was one of the stats that helped drive our decision to go onto Snapchat. So the Kinsey scale, uh, named after the American sexologist Alfred Kinsey, asks people to measure their sexual attraction from zero being exclusively heterosexual to six being exclusively homosexual. These numbers from YouGov three years ago for the UK market showed that actually a very large percentage of uh, under 24s to find their sexuality as not 100% straight. It doesn't mean that they're 100% gay, but it means that they're somewhere on the spectrum. And that informed us that there was a huge potential audience on Snap. Actually, we did a Kinsey scale with our Snap audience uh, over the weekend, and a quarter of a million people responded to it. And actually, our numbers pretty much matched these numbers back from 2015. There's been some recent research into the slightly younger age group, 13 to 18, when you combine them with 
the up to 24s. In the US, you're actually seeing some, some surveys showing 50% LGBT, 60%, in fact, up to 70% who would define themselves as not 100% straight. So really exciting uh, numbers and why we want to go on there. So what was our approach? Having convinced ourselves and Snap that we should launch as the first LGBT plus content partner, we had to work out how to take a desktop publisher and uh, turn it mobile for a new generation. This is a generation that's consuming content from Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and of course, Snap. Facebook's not on this slide, not because it's a mistake, but it's because those users are not using Facebook. They might be using Instagram, but they're not using Facebook. So we needed to think about how we could try and retell our stories for a generation who was consuming very visual, video-heavy content. Um, the most obvious thing we needed to do was invest in uh, new skill sets, principally motion graphic animators. Um, I would never have thought, uh, if you'd have asked me a few months ago even, that we'd be producing our own fully featured cartoons, which are now launching on Snapchat, but that's exactly what we're doing. Um, we also needed to expand our video production uh, capabilities. Cheap, aggregated videos that we used to make for Facebook and might be the sort of things you'd see on things like Lab Bible just don't really work that well on Snapchat. Uh, so we had to go and start filming things properly. We filmed in Russia, for example. We filmed with uh, different sp uh, speakers talking to camera. And it's completely changed the way that we've approached our video production. To summarize, what we really had to do was put our hands in our pocket and invest in building a whole new team and a whole new skill set. This wasn't just about switching on a new platform and sort of transposing content to it. It was thinking very differently about the way we uh, create and commission our content. A quick break here. NPR listeners expect an authentic, unintrusive message from brands. It may be different, but it works. Listeners find NPR 21% more engaging than traditional radio content. To learn more about how sponsorship opportunities across NPR platforms can perform for your brand, visit npr.org slash forbrands. Now, back to the episode. We're producing loads of different types of content right now. Um, some of them are videos, some of them are original pieces, some of them are memes and quizzes. It's very different. It's a very full screen experience, unlike on the website where people might be uh, you know, seeing lots of ads and things. When you see an ad on Snap, it's a full screen ad. Um, and the subject areas that we decided to target are different to the subject areas we were covering on the main website. Only about 25% of our content on Snap is actually really strictly LGBT related. Most of the other things are things we think that audience is also interested in, whether that be entertainment, fashion, beauty, we're writing about or creating content about all sorts of different things. Um, so what have we achieved? We've been on for two months and as not that many people are Snapchat, uh, natives, I want to explain one thing. Publishers like us create what's called an addition. Um, some publishers, like the Daily Mail, produce seven editions a week, one day. Um, some people, like The Economist, only produce one a week. When we launched, we were producing two a week. We then grew to three a week in month two. We're now producing, as of last week, five a week. So we're not yet daily. But in our first two months, we achieved a total audience of over 20 million uh, unique users. Uh, with an average of one to two million 
uh, unique viewers per edition, unique users per edition, and a, 35, and a record 35 million views on a single edition, as well as a record 4 million users on an individual edition. This is not, these are not small numbers, and that 4 million number is an interesting one because we, you know, we've been affected by the Facebook algorithm. DigiDay's written about how, how we've fared with it. Um, we're now getting more traffic on an individual day from Snapchat than we might get from Facebook and referral traffic per month. So it's massively more important for us now than, than Facebook. Um, I've got a few takeaways. We've been, monetizing, um, we've been monetizing our content on Snapchat initially through Snap's programmatic uh, ad stack. Um, through their open marketplace. We're about to start selling our first direct campaigns as well as uh, creative solution offerings. Um, plus, uh, as of now, we're going to be inviting uh, advertisers to be whitelisted on our PMP on Snapchat. This is not an opportunity, though, for other programmatic vendors. Snap has a closed marketplace, but, you can, uh, but advertisers can be bidding uh, on, on Snap on our audience. This provides the first uh, sizable opportunity for uh, advertisers to target the LGBT community on Snap. It's not possible to target via sexuality anymore. It's certainly in the post-GDPR world. So this is the first opportunity that advertisers have had to reach our community uh, on Snap. Um, these have flipped around somehow. Um, I'm supposed to also tell you that simply importing content from um, uh, your website doesn't work. In this particular example, we're seeing uh, you see on the desktop the original article that inspired then a Snapchat, video, uh, Snapchat story uh, edition. Um, it was very different from the content we had on the website. What we then allowed users to do right at the end of having watched the different slides, uh, different top snaps, is to swipe up to read the content in full. Um, the, we're, we think we're only just scratching the surface as well. Um, in our first two months, we built up 400,000 new subscribers, specifically on Snapchat. Um, as a comparison, it took us about eight years to build up a similar level on Facebook. So this is really, really rapid growth that you can see on Snapchat. And we think we're only just scratching the surface. Right now, we're only producing content in English for essentially for the UK, US, Australia, Canada markets. We're going to be launching new editions very soon. Um, we think there's a great opportunity for brands to be uh, targeting our community through, um, through Snap. Um, and through, or through Pink News on Snap for a number of different categories. And we're going to be going straight to market probably early November talking to agencies about campaigns. This is a, a huge audience. Um, we're aiming to get to around 30 million unique users a month on Snap, uh, just in the English language, Western markets. We think the potential for us is uh, really, really quite significant. Um, that's all I've got to say. Um, but thank you for listening. Jeff. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much, Ben. Um, can I just ask you uh, quickly, do you think that the monetization will ever match um, in terms of audience and in terms of expectations on Snapchat? We're, out, we're, we're overperforming where we expect it to be. Um, what I didn't say in the presentation, because um, everything came out the wrong way around, uh, was that uh, we had to invest quite a lot to, to start up. Mm -hmm. So on a monthly basis, we're actually profitable. But we were uh, piloting this for seven months before we went live. We haven't yet recouped all of that, that development cost. But revenue is really strong. Mm -hmm. um, it's comparable to the sort of CPMs that you can get on Facebook, audience network. Um, 
but the numbers are just bigger. Mm, okay, well, thank you so much. Um, I'm sorry, I'd love to ask okay. you more, but um, perhaps later. Thank you so much, thank Ben. You. And thank you all for listening. I'm Aditi Sango. Did you like the show? Rate us and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And you can also write to me or tweet at me. I'll be back soon with another episode.